to the Alice in Wonderland podcast. So this is a place for our listeners to open your mind and let your sense of wonder, imagination, and most importantly, curiosity loose. I'm your host, Georgia Alice, and today I'm joined by Mark Elliott. So Mark and I were just having a discussion as to whether I would read out his bio or not. And I've decided not to because I am absolutely fascinated by Mark and what he what he does, and I'm really curious. And I think if we preempt with a bio, we might set some expectations uh, for people to think what they're going to get out of this call. And I don't want to have any expectations. I'm just going to go follow this little white rabbit down wherever it leads us, down this rabbit hole of the life and times and skills and experiences of Mark Elliott. So everyone's really going, well, who's this? person and why she got him on her podcast. So Mark, a question that I ask most or most all of my guests on the podcast is, if I was a seven-year-old and I bumped into you in the park or in the street or somewhere and I said to you, hey, Mr. Elliot, what do you, what do, you do with your life? How would you respond to a seven-year-old? <laughs> No pressure. <laughs> I guess to a seven-year-old, you know, very simple language. And, you know, what the beauty of that is, I guess, um, there's plenty of room. Uh, so to a seven-year-old, I guess I'd say, well, I've spent probably all of my life looking for ways I can help people. And uh, that's taken me on all sorts of journeys, all sorts of places and all sorts of places around the world. So, uh, and I've done a lot of different things because of that. You know, I used to think that helping people looked a certain way and, uh, and there's lots of people helping people in various ways in the world. Um, but it looks very different as you get older. Yeah. So can you, can you recall, so have you always had this, had this desire to help people or was there something that happened in your life that was sort of a bit of a catalyst for you to move into the space of serving people? Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I've, I've been asked that question a lot of times and um, there is a very, very specific moment when I was about eight years old that I still remember, yes. Uh, but again, a lot of what we think is helping people is a lot of conditioning. Uh, so at the time when I was eight, my mother was going through some really, really health, uh, serious health issues. 
Um, cut a long story short, she died at 46 years of age. Um, and, uh, you know, I wanted to help her. That was my thing. And as an eight-year-old, uh, all I could think of was becoming Superman, really. You know, that's kind of, the, for me, that was the most powerful being, person that I could wish to become. And uh, <clears throat> that didn't work out very well because I'm not from Krypton. I didn't, um, didn't arrive on a rocket ship sort of story or anything like that. Are you sure? Uh, <laughs> well, if you ask some of the people I know, they might say different things, but um, I'm pretty sure that didn't happen. Uh, but th I think that's kind of when it started, yeah. So to, to, sh <laughs> to shorten the answer to that question. So what does, how has helping people evolve from you? So, you know, I didn't read out your bio, but your bio does sort of talk a little bit about your journey and it, and it sounds very much like how you have, how you help and assist and serve others has evolved over time. And so what's that journey been like? Where did it sort of start for you and where are you at now? Can you take us on a bit of a, a bit of a journey? And I may butt in and ask questions as you're going. <laughs> sure. Uh, well, look, I guess it really started in school where I had decided at one point I was going to be a medical doctor. Um, so I guess that's where it started. And if you fast forward to 1997, uh, I made a choice to go and do a, some training in a Russian medical technique that's part of standard medicine in Russia. And when I finished that, that really shifted a lot of stuff because it's a relatively simple therapy that can have a profound effect on people's health. And a couple of years later, I found myself in front of my first uh, cancer patient. And a couple of years after that, I found myself in front of hundreds of people talking about a program that I designed around that. And that, that, that lasted a long time because I was continually researching ways of being able to improve people's health, especially with chronic illness. So that journey starts with, for me, it started with a very scientific um, physical approach, you know, around biochemistry and, and physiology, the way the body works. Um, but it soon led down to, uh, how the mind operates and what effect that has on the physical body. And that progressed to how the emotions pay, play a huge role in all of that. Um, Cause biochemically that's, that's a huge player. And then, uh, you know, I, I started to explore and I had been exploring since I was very young, um, various spiritual aspects. So it's it's quite a journey, and I was I was it's funny I was looking at photographs to go on that bio too on my computer because I've got a good range from you know the last probably twenty years, 
and and you can see the progression in the way that I look because I <laughs> I started off with shot hair, shaven face, wearing suits. I had been uh, groomed and programmed and and um, stylized by people and uh, and now look at me <laughs> <laughs> and everything in between. You know, I, I've I've gone through so many stages in in the way I look and and being concerned about the way I look too. Um, you know, the the whole image image consultancy was something that I explored at one stage to, to again, all, all the focus was, was wanting to help people. And a big part of that was credibility. How do you credibly come across to people uh, about what you're doing? Because it's, it's complicated, especially in a culture where, you know, judgments, assessments, ideas, uh, come into people's mind in about 20 seconds you know they look at you and do, 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 all these ideas judgments ideas uh thought processes constructs that are already there come into play and you decide okay um that's i got that person i get that person now and i'm gonna either listen to them or not listen to them or whatever or you know. so many so many unconscious biases and i love that you mentioned that too because you know, at the point where you're having your uh, image consultancy going through, you know, that's the external world telling you these are all the unconscious biases that you need to adhere to so that you actually can't be yourself on the outside, but we want you to adhere to some rules that the, the world has put out there. So, you know, I know from your experiences and, and what you've done that you have a wealth of knowledge and experience. But, you know, if I was to take you to maybe not so much now, but a few years ago, if I was to take you to one of my corporate clients and say, hey, I've got this person who's going to talk to you about intuitive leading or something like that, they would take one look at you and go, who's this hippie? Because yeah. those that, those that um, aren't watching the video, they uh, will, uh, will not see that you're sitting here. You've got lovely, long, beautiful, healthy, long hair. You've got a lovely big beard. Um, so, you know, people might look at you and go, well, who is this person? And, you know, do I really want to trust this person? Do I believe them? Are they somebody that's just going to come with all this woo-woo? And it's funny how we do that. That unconscious bias um, automatically cuts us off from opportunity, doesn't it? Of really getting to know people. Yep. Yep. And a lot of times that is self-sabotage. Mm in such a huge way. I've seen that so often with people who are chronically ill. You know, the program, especially with cancer, the program is somebody gets diagnosed with cancer, they think, oh, I'm gonna die, right? It's basically still considered a death sentence amongst lots of people. And the next program that kicks in is, you know, there's only very certain, there's only a certain proportion of people that can help me, it's experts, it's oncologists, Blah, 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 blah. And certainly not some guy with long hair and a beard mm. is in there somewhere, you know? Like there's no way that guy or that girl with long hair, not a beard, um, could help, possibly a beard, could help, <laughs> right? And it, it's really interesting because so often I see that and, and it's, it's pure sabotage. It's purely... Mm. 
uh, an unconscious programming about the bottom line is um, I have to follow the first program and the first program is cancer is going to kill me. Right. This is just an example. Um, and yet it's such an illusion, but the ego, it builds this huge construct around what it thinks it knows. Mm. Um, and, and yet the reality can be so different most of the time. Yeah. I, I love, I love that where you're, where you're going here, because, you know, if you were to turn up with the knowledge you have, so you may not have a certificate to say I'm a doctor, but if you were to turn up in a hospital and if you had a white coat on and a stethoscope around mm -hmm. your neck mm -hmm. and your hair pulled back, maybe your beard or not. Nowadays, beards are acceptable. It's quite, you know, trend on trend. So maybe the beard wouldn't matter so much. But if you just changed that and went in there and held a bit of a clipboard and shared the information that you have that doesn't come from medical study. It comes from a lot of other really powerful study and probably a lot more information that perhaps somebody who was just very focused on one area would come to just the mere fact that you looked like you were a person of authority, that mm. person would start and pay attention. So mm -hmm. isn't it interesting how we do that? Mm. You know, that's almost exactly what I used to do. <laughs> I, 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 because I would be invited to palliative care units and, and, to by patients and their family and uh and uh I, I had short hair and a shaven face but i used to wear a suit but i used to walk around with an old-fashioned doctor's bag you don't see them much so much anymore but it was and it had a lot of stuff in it because i was constantly showing people uh you know research papers and books and and things to to uh, support what i was saying um, but I used to walk into the hospitals. Nobody ever questioned me. Nobody ever asked. I knew which room I was walking to. I got m no more than a glimpse from most people because of that look of credibility and authority, you know? Um, it's really, it's, it's interesting how we can, we can potentially, there's, there's the ability to be able to do things for good or do things for evil. Right. So, you know, the movie catch me if you can, um, like he, he had a lot of fun with this turning up with what people expected with no knowledge, but here's somebody like yourself who has got a world full of knowledge, but because of potentially the way that you appear, people aren't ready and open to it, which is a shame in our society. And I really do hope that starts to change that we start to shift that paradigm around uh, what we what we perceive as that person of authority as well. And one of the things that I think we overlook is that we are our greatest authority, aren't we, really? The person within mm. us is the greatest mm. authority. And we give our power, we're giving our power away to the doctors, the uh, the politicians, the, the teachers, the lecturers, the, you name it. We're giving our power away to these people because of what we've been programmed and conditioned to believe that they are somehow better than us. Yeah, it's one of the saddest things. Um, I think is <clears throat> I'm, I'm finding now is how many people have learned not to trust themselves mm. and, and not, I'm not talking about what they think, but to go down into the gut and really feel what's real and what's not. 
to oh, know I it. I want to unpack that further. And here's something that I'm going to, you're going to absolutely get this. I, I mentioned just before to our listeners, to Mark, that for some reason I was having a shower before we were about to record this and I couldn't get out of the shower because I was just in this state of getting, I think I was getting a download. And all of a sudden the word intuition came to me and I went, oh, I think our conversation is going to go towards intuition. And I think, I think, I don't think, I know that's where you're heading with what you're saying. So let's unpack that further. So let's talk about how do we trust from what you know, how do we trust ourselves from that place of what I consciously know compared to what's coming in through a, a different sensory sort of area, you know, the gut or the heart or however you'd like to explain that. So unpack that for us. Yeah. Um, that's a process, you know, it's, a, it's, it's, it's work, you know, why we call workshops workshops is because they are work. Um, and what I've, this is just what I've found so far in this journey. Um, there's so much construct and programming up here around uh, disconnecting and distrusting yourself. And because that, that, that serves the, 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 the culture, the society that we live in to a great extent. Physically, the fact is, that there's nine times the amount of information coming through your gut that you're receiving information through your body and up to your brain to the one piece of information that's coming from your brain down to your body. So there's a lot more information coming through all the time. We still have the same, the gut feeling, you know, um, but because from a very, very young age, basically everything, almost everything, that we get into our gut and feel and know is dismissed in some way, is discredited in some way. We learn very, very quickly to stop trusting that and bring it all up into the brain and go, this is where I know things. Um, and I'm talking in general terms, you know, there's, there's people that have been beautifully been able to hold on to some of that or, reconnect with that over time so the work is is really around the ego the ego is a very very strong construct it's very large in most of us and it takes up a lot of space because that's what it's kind of designed to do it's kind of designed to make things happen make things happen in the world the way you choose them to happen so we make this conscious choice about what we want to do in the world. And then the ego will come in and create it to the point where everything you see confirms it all the time. So we build this illusion <laughs> through our ego because of what we decide we want to do in the world. And, and we cut off, shut down from every intuition in order to do this which is the sad part about it all really because if we could stop and listen to our deeper knowing the world would be a very very different place yeah intuition's been something in the last probably it's been a lot longer than this but really honed in for me personally in the last 
probably four, five, six months um, where I've really starting to get a lot more curious about intuition. And I was listening to uh, one of my one of my friends' podcasts. Uh, Guy Lawrence is his name, and I highly recommend his podcasts. He had a podcast where he was interviewing. I think the gentleman's name is Bill Bennett and Bill Bennett created, he's a journalist, an Australian journalist, and he created the movie, I think it's called PGS, your personal guidance system. And it's talking about, he's done a whole documentary on intuition. And just during the interview, he talks about how he actually created the documentary using intuition. He didn't plan any of it. Right. And one of the key takeaways I had from what he said was, he learnt to really hone in and act on his first thought because the first thought generally he found came from a higher, a higher place, a, a deeper knowing it came from somewhere else. And it, it came from, you know, this higher self within him. But if he then had the first thought and didn't act on it straight away, the second, third and fourth thought was the ego, the intellect, the, mm. you know, analytical mind jumping in and trying to uh, make sense of it because a lot of the time the things that our intuition well i believe tell us to do don't make logical sense so we don't act on them is that what you're finding when you you know if you were to unpack intuition a little further would that be something that resonates on sounds about right <laughs> not that there's a right or a wrong here either no, there's definitely not a right or a wrong. And I think part of that is, is the answer. Um, the, the moment that we get caught up in a way of doing something, like a rule about something, like anything, the first thought is a, is a classic example, right? The first thought, uh, we can lose the connection with the intuition as well i mean it's a great idea it's a great concept and i really want to see this film now what i've found is that any construct that we create can pull us toward or away from a deeper connection internally and therefore a deeper connection externally yeah because there's no, there's no moment where any one truth is finite. It's like it can change all the time, the collective consciousness, all that sort of stuff. We're going to lose people because I'm going to start to talk. All you're very... not going to lose people. You're going to educate people. <laughs> Let's just get clear here. Okay, okay. The, the collective, uh, see, there's a judgment right there from me. The collective consciousness is changing all the time. We're evolving. It's all about change. It's all about transformation. So um, when we tap into all of this, we, we actually begin to find it difficult to make choices because there are so many choices. There's so much on the board, right? There's, there's such a smorgasbord of choice to make. And it's all very exciting when you start to actually feel that you start to actually go, okay, I can actually, I can actually choose to do anything, anything. Really? I can, I can choose to do anything. When that starts to sink in, it's okay. Well, what am I going to do? I'm going to do this. And, and, and I was wondering when you were talking about this first thought thing, it, it's coming up now. It's like, 
how do you know what your first thought is? Like, really, how do you know that? Like, my brain can be going at a billion miles an hour with all these things going on at once, right? And it's quite a party in there at times. And to actually be able to identify what my first thought is or, or um, where it's coming from, because it could be coming from anywhere in my body, basically, is, is really interesting. Uh. <laughs> I agree. And I, I love listening to you here because it's really made me think about that as, cause you called it a rule, right? And intuition doesn't have rules. Yeah. And um, so me listening to that, I, I actually wrote on a little sticky note on my computer, just act on first thought. So I created this new rule for myself um, for me to become more intuitive. There's a rule to do that. When in fact, uh, what you're saying here makes not shouldn't make sense logically. It feels now feelings. It feels like there's. It feels like truth. Uh, you know, I don't like using right and wrong. I've said that already, but it just feels like it's the the right way. Okay, so um, maybe there maybe there aren't any rules for intuition. It's just a, a fact of of knowing, and it's this deep knowing, isn't it? I think you or hit on one, I think you actually hit on one rule. <laughs> <laughs> what does it feel like? You know, really, what does it feel like? That's a really important point, you know, to, but what happens in, in our culture, it's like, go, 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 make decisions, do things, do, 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 instead of sitting and going, okay, I really need to feel that. Mm. I really need to listen listen really, really deeply to you and feel what you're saying, feel how it feels in my body. Stop this noise up here <laughs> and drop into that. You know, it's a, you know, it's a bit of a thing that they're talking about, you know, be present in the moment and, and all of that stuff. It's very important. But to actually drop in and feel where we're being taught for so long not to trust the way we feel, too. You know, how often do we hear about uh, the classic is the wife feeling like the husband's up to something, but not trusting that feeling till X amount of time and X amount of evidence or whatever. Um, it's a pretty yucky example, but it, it's it's very true because generally speaking, women do have that deeper knowing mm. still connected with it. Yeah. Um, because of various aspects of, of how a woman's designed to, to connect uh, in a way. And this is something that's, you know, evolutionary, you know, men have, over time evolved to defend, to fight, to harden in order to survive. Um, and so I get that, you know, we, and yet we really can stand a long way down from that now in, for example, Australian culture, you know, we could stand a long way down from that, but it's such a deep, programming of you know hundreds and thousands of generations um 
So one of the things that you, you said there, and I could see people can't, most people won't be able to see you here, but I can see you having this deep thought when you pause. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things you said here was, you know, in the, in the modern times that we're living now, you know, we got, we've got so much go, 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 all these things happening. I also know that you've spent a lot of time with some of our more uh, ancient cultures around the world. So from, from what you know with this modern world we're living in, what are some of the traditions that you believe we could be adopting better and potentially bringing into our modern world so that we can, you know, use things like tap into things like intuition and trust ourselves more and connect more, be more connected and potentially, you know, you know, for men, cause you've used this before to give themselves permission to come down from that, protector, warrior, fighter to somewhere just a little lower down in that level, whatever that looks like. Mm. So are there any sort of, sort of, that's not a very good language. doesn't matter. I'm judging myself. Is there, is there anything that you would, you can see that potentially we could be adopting or bringing back to the way that we're living our lives in these modern times? Yeah. Um, I first want to answer that question by saying we know very little about human history. Uh, that's one thing I've found out over time. For, for example, there's, there's pyramids in Bosnia that are 35,000 years old, uh, not five or 6,000 years old or how, how are they? 5,000 years old in, in Egypt. Um, and what's known about those constructs and what their purpose is, is, is very little. So if we start to talk about, uh, our ancestors and ways of the ancient past that have helped people get on in life, there's, there's so little that's been touched on in the recording of human history. Uh, but my first, I guess, thing to go back to is something called Dadiri or Dadiri, which is, comes from a, a, a mob here in Australia. Uh, you know, a culture that we know is 60,000 years or more old, probably much older than that. Um, which talks about deep listening. You know, often in workshops, we, we begin the workshop by saying, I'd, uh, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land that I'm sitting on now. In this case, it's the Wiradjuri of the Greater Cullen Nation. As a sign of respect for the elders past and present and up and coming, and we say this because we want to acknowledge the ancestors of where we're sitting. Uh, because as a result, we're here. And we wouldn't be, when, no matter where our ancestry comes from, we really do come from the same place at some point. So um, this is very important and it's not really done a lot of uh, older cultures are 
pretty much dismissed, I'm making generalizations, by a very wide section of the community. And yet here in Australia, we have culture, which is probably a hundred thousand years old continuous culture. Um, and it's really painful for me to actually, to really look at that and, and understand that um, it's just dismissed and it's just, there's so much richness in the way people used to live in this country. And it, and it probably applies to most native people's lifestyle before colonization. Um, but certainly if you read the early uh, documents of Captain Cook's observations, people were really happy and really harmonious with the land and each other. Um, so just to acknowledge Miriam Rose wrote something called Didiri. I don't know. It probably comes up backwards. Does it? No, it's um, all right. And we've got people listening, so they can't see that anyway. So. Okay. It's, it's <laughs> D-A-D-I-R-R-I. Miriam Rose, if you want to uh, Google that and listen to that, it, it's a beautiful uh, introduction into what I was talking about before, deep listening. We need to deeply listen to ourselves and to each other, to the land, to everything around us. Um, in, in order to get back to what is helpful for us, in terms of what you might want to call intuition or that inner knowing the knowledge that's coming from somewhere else. Uh, so that, that, that can be very helpful. There's a line in it that says, uh, refers to listening to the sound of deep calling to deep. Wow. That's deep. <laughs> Pardon the pun. <laughs> it is. And, and it's a beautiful line I always remember, you know, um, in, the, in the introduction to it. Uh, but Miriam, if you go online, it is really worth getting to. I mean, my, my, it's interesting, I was born in Australia, but my background is, is um, my mother came from Canada and I have uh, both native and colonial blood running through my veins, you know, from uh, from Canada and from Scotland and Ireland and 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 Norse. Um, there's a whole range of ancestry there, uh, and we all come from somewhere. And I think that's really important to to know if you can. You know, I was talking to somebody that was adopted the other day and I said, well, get a DNA test. You can do that now. Mm. Find out where you're from, where your ancestry is, because this is something that we carry in us that's very alive. And if we want to get back to feeling things, understanding our genetic history is is a way of understanding what's happening around us now as well, because we continually reflect it. Yeah. So talk, talk more about that. How are we, how, from your understanding, how are we 
continually reflecting our ancestral, you know, mm. heritage in our world around us now. How's mm -hmm. that working? Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> Do your best. I'm not a seven-year-old anymore, okay? I'm, okay, I'm, good, I'm a grown good, woman. <laughs> so if you can imagine it this way, this is, this is really, everything's energy, okay? If we talk about energy, we can talk about everything being energy. You can talk about the physics of that. So every cell in our body is made up with a bunch of atoms, you know? There's, there's uh, 10 to the power of 27 atoms in our body. That's one with 27 zeros after it. Now, when you look at what's inside those atoms, what they're constructed of, um, there's a lot of space as we know it at the moment inside each atom and inside each atom, there's energy doing stuff. But that's about all we know. <laughs> so, but everything's eternal, right? Atoms are eternal. So what we do know is that there's energy doing stuff in there. Well, what is that? That's memory. That's not just your memories of your lifetime. That's the memory of every lifetime of every atom and everything that's ever been. So when you start to think about that, because we're made up with a whole bunch of atoms that have come from a different place before and will go to a different place after, right? You start to understand that we have been everything at this point of history. We've been other people, we've been rocks, we've been trees, we've been animals, we've been everything, probably at some point. Mm. We're breathing in tree right now. The well, the trees, the trees are actually our external lungs, so. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So, but, and that's the physicality of it all. And, but yeah. when you understand how energy kind of is constantly interacting with itself, then it makes sense that you are a reflection and an embodiment of the whole of your ancestry. And therefore the stuff that happens in your life is created by that. Remember before we were talking about how you create things. So everything is created by us everything for the purpose of reflecting back at us what's already there. And the reason for this is, this is just my understanding of it. The reason for this very simply is there's a lot of stuff to be healed mm -hmm. from the past. And I'm not just talking about any individual's past. I'm talking about the collective past. I'm talking about the past of human history. So how that has to, how that can happen is if we're constantly fed back what's going on, then we have an opportunity to change it, to shift it, to transform it in some way. So, if I can simplify what you're saying is the external world becomes signposts for us of what we're creating and what we now as, as our uh, rate, 
as a collective group of raised consciousness have the ability to heal and, and change and create a new future for those that come after us. So it's almost like where um, there's this, there's this chain and every generation is a link in the chain, but it's all connected. And at, at some point we get the choice to see what's happening in the external environment, whether it be on a larger scale, whether it be in your community, whether it be in your family, whether it be in your work, whether it be who you are right now, you have the opportunity to break that chain and not let it pass on through healing and the healing shows up in your world around you. Is that a simplified way of explaining maybe what you said? Yeah, beautiful, perfect. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Well, it's what, it's what it's all about as far as I understand, you know, like the collective human history needs healing. Um, if we look at the world today, we can look at it and go, wow, it's a bit of a mess. <laughs> at the same time, there's some really beautiful things going on. We're yes. not told about that. The, the media, it doesn't sell in the news if we, oh, if no. we show people all these wonderful things that people are doing. And unfortunately, we've now been conditioned so much to want to be uh, tapped into someone else's fear, somebody else's terrible news, and uh, that we we actually don't want to hear the good stuff anymore, I think. Uh, yeah, so it's just, it's how we've been programmed, I think. Unfortunately, we don't get to see these amazing things that are happening, and there's some individuals out there, and there's some groups, and there's some movements that are that are out there making a difference and a lot of us don't know about them. Absolutely. So what I just want to touch back on, just elaborate a little bit further on the, on my question around what can we learn from some of the more uh, traditional cultures? What can we bring into this day and age that perhaps we've left behind? Because I love what you said there around the indigenous Australians, how there's this, uh, sorry, I forgot Miriam was talking about this deep connection. So that's one thing is learn how to really connect deeply, how to really listen, not just to um, the people in front of us, but listen to, listen to the planet, listen to, you know, just really pay attention. So I love that. Is there anything else from any other cultures? Because I know I've got the privilege of knowing that you've spent time with uh, native uh, Canadian, the Inuit, is that right? You've spent some time um, with the names there you know, and also some yeah. European heritage yeah. and some Scottish. Is there something that you've, or anything that you see that you go, well, you know, they've done this really well and it survived through the time to really be a tradition that um, can help us besides the deep listening. Is there anything else? I think, well, for me, uh, what I've gravitated toward over time and learning is the pre-Celtic teachings mm -hmm. uh, so <clears throat> in Ireland and the surrounding area there was a culture that was very deeply connected with nature our nature and and who we are um, and an understanding of that there's something more that we'll never be able to conceptualize or really understand. Um, so in Native American culture, in, in amongst a lot of tribes, and I've worked with a number of different tribes and I'm from a number of different tribes in that part of my heritage, um, the reference to, to, to that is simply the great mystery. 
it's not male, it's not female, it's not anything definable other than the great mystery. So, and that, and that, funnily enough, that's been taken on by um, a lot by um, by a pre-Celtic mystic teacher friend of mine in in terms of using the English language to describe what is not describable. <laughs> um, we don't know. We don't know much about it at all. Uh, but what we do know is the more expansive we get. Uh, and what I mean by this is the, the, the workshops that, that we run are very eclectic. They're inclusive of as much as possible. Uh, the more expansive we get, the greater the results. So when you say expansive, do you also, because this is something that's quite topical, I think this day and age is also the more inclusive as well. So expansive and inclusive. Inclusive. So taking in more, but also including more. And, you yep. know, I can use a corporate term here of diversity. Um, so it's about really expanding upon what we know and including things that potentially we may not have included before. So if we go back to where we started this conversation around, you know, if I was to take you into a corporate environment, um, <laughs> potentially they'd go, who is this man? But if yeah. there are corporations that are really inclusive and expansive in their thinking, they would welcome you and want you to come in and share your knowledge with their people. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, I I, I think a lot of it is to do with language and the way we think, you know, uh, and, and I try to be careful with the language that I use to be as inclusive as possible. Um, it's funny thing, the English language though, you know, it is as expansive as it's supposed to be and, and descriptive. It really does fail in a lot of areas. And when you have more contact with native people, there's some words they have no words for. And there's other words that mean so much more than when you put it into English. It's just mm. totally lost in translation. Um, and that's where we get back to feeling. You know, I look at this all the time and I go, you know, you talk about love. For the whole of human history, people have tried to express love in a in words and in song and in poetry and so on and so forth and some do a pretty good job you know but it's still not enough because love is such an expansive all-encompassing act it's a energy feeling it's energy. actually not even an act it's an energy i don't know it's energy isn't it yeah see already <laughs> we, don't, we, don't have the, we don't have the language to describe that's it. love. <laughs> that's it so already we struggle with it yeah but it, it's you know uh, i think the greeks have something like 16 different words for love meaning different versions of it what it means to how it relates to the outside mm. Um, 
and it doesn't matter. It, you could you could keep trying to create that. I'm sure we're going to spend forever trying to express the love that we have for one human being or many in song and poetry and and, and acts of whatever, um, because because it's 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 infinite. It's not containable. Um, how did we get to talk to this? Why, how did we get to this? That's just, how, that's just what happens when you go down the rabbit hole. You can take it anywhere, Mark. But just on that, I want to, you, just a second ago, you were talking about your, your workshops and the work you're doing. So what is the, the purpose of the workshops you, you run? So why would somebody say, hey, I'm going to look up Mark Elliott and I'm going to go to one of his workshops? Why would they do that? Hmm. If you want some sort of change. Um, you have to be prepared to explore the internal landscape and what it looks like and heal, repair the things that need repairing and healing and break down, dissolve and disintegrate the things that need that. Mm. Um, so for me, that, that first step was stepping into to the sort of work that I do now wherever I can, um, which is find the place of silence that's so deep that you can't hear yourself talking to yourself. Okay. And, and I know that there's a lot of people teaching meditation and doing meditation, which can be very helpful in relation to that. This is not that. Yeah. So I don't, I don't teach meditation. Meditation is not what the workshops are about. It's a really ancient form practice of getting deeply connected with everything. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's greater than connecting with your true self. It's, it's like connecting with the all, like everything. The all. The all. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, like the, the, there's, a, there's a formula that works. <laughs> oh, and you, you have this formula? You have this, a, <laughs> you have this elixir of life. There's <laughs> a formula that works that's worked for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Um, and the formula is actually quite simple. It's applying it and, and practicing it. Uh, that can be challenging, but it, it, again, it's not really, it's very, very simple. Okay. Beryl, what's this formula? I mean, listeners are going, okay, there's a formula. There's yeah, a, there's depth. <laughs> Share it. <laughs> so the formula very simply is to understand the order of connections that are required mm -hmm. to bring about positive change, change that you really want and, and need in your life and healing. 
or whatever it is. It, mm -hmm. it really doesn't matter what it is. It works. Um, and the formula is, it's about relationships. To have a relationship first and foremost with the energy of the great mystery, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's so would that be what some people might call in religions God? Um, some people might call the universe. I mean, we we like we like to label things. So the, yeah. I love the term the great mystery because really it's just a mystery. No one really knows. <laughs> Is that sort of what you're alluding to there? Having that yeah. connection to the, the the greater source, the greater mind, the greater mystery. Yeah. The moment okay. we give it a name, the moment that's it's not a mystery the, anymore. <laughs> the, yeah, and the brain starts categorizing it and putting it in a box and 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 whatever yeah and, Which, and it just it can't be contained what much like love right yeah and here's so, the thing too i just as soon as we i just want to say this for our listeners as well as soon as we start giving something a label and putting it in a container in the brain and if we're somebody who already has a program or a bias against something we close our mind down so yeah. let's say you had said connect with god We'd have some people getting to the podcast and just going, stop, pause, next. Okay, they including wouldn't. Me. Yeah, in, including <laughs> me. Yeah, including me. Or we'd have some people that would be going, this is awesome. I'm going to keep listening because in the container in our brain, we've got an association with this word. So mm -hmm. I love that you know if we can take away those those labels and just think of something that you know what is it is a mystery really. Um, so okay, first first part of the formula: connect to the great mystery. Love yep. it. What's yep. next? Because that's the first relationship. That's the first primary, most important relationship. Mm. If you have a relationship that's something greater than yourself, then it's not dependent on just you. Mm. And this has happened through cultures and traditions for eons, hasn't it? There's always been this connection with something greater. Yep. And you know, we've, we've started to label it and sort of create these rituals and dogma around it as we've evolved, unfortunately. And that's my opinion. Um, but yes, okay, so step one is that. Yep. Keep going. So the second step is with that focus, then start to develop a relationship with yourself. And it's who you really are. I love that you say that because people think when they look in the mirror and they put their suit on, their monkey suits, that they think that's who they are. So I love that you've really said there, connect with who you really are. And that comes with a little bit of searching because a lot of us have had so much conditioning and programming and other people's beliefs put on us that we actually don't know who we are. We're walking around and we're, we're zipping on this, the monkey suit of this is who I am when I get home from work. I'm zipping on the monkey suit. This is who I am when I um, go to the office. This is who I am when I work out. This is who I am when I'm on holidays. This is who I am. And these are the, the beliefs and the construction, the containers that we give ourselves. And it's actually, I think, time for us to go in and say, well, who are we? Who am I really? Take away what my mum said I was, take away what my school teacher said I was, take away the prognosis the doctor just gave me, take away all of this, who am I? 
-hmm. And that when you find that out, because of this was a discovery of mine 18 years ago, when you find out who you truly are and you connect with that, life becomes a it's a different it's a different journey. It really is. It really yeah, is. Yeah. So that's the four. Is there anything else in this formula? Yeah, yeah, there is. Okay. Um, <laughs> and and can I add to that just something that came up when you were speaking? Finding out who you are is a lifetime journey. Oh yeah, I'm absolutely. I've taken the lid off the jar when I 18 years ago, yeah. and it's, I'm still finding this great mystery about myself. But it's, <laughs> it's um, but with each discovery, it's almost like I'm given more strength, uh, more power, more um, belief in myself, and it's just it's it's never ending. It's a bottomless rabbit hole of, I know the jar's just the lid, and you get in, and you just keep going. So. <laughs> never ends you never yeah. stop and, and and for me a lot of that is uncovering how much of what i thought was myself was created for somebody else mm. like how often i've become something or someone because somebody else needed me to become that uh i find that more and more on this journey at, at some point not so long ago i just sat there and went, I have no idea who I actually am. Uh, and that was quite shattering. It was, <laughs> I had this whole concept of who I was and what I was here to do. And then it just went. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it was, it's, it's a great thing when that happens, when a constructed belief system, you know, a dogma or something that really strong in you does collapse on itself. Um, it can open up a huge space for something so much more mm. yeah. so anyway sorry I, I see that i'm sure you see that a lot with your clients and even some of the work i do i i see that with my clients as well it's almost like they just have this the penny drops and you know most of the time when they have their aha moments it's we're only just scratching the surface it's just the start yeah. isn't it so it's beautiful so formula relationship with the great mystery relationship with yourself then yep. what relationship with everybody and everything else mm -hmm. so when we're everything. talking everything and everything else we're not just saying okay the people we like and the people we don't like we're, we're, we're talking only the people we like so we're talking about <laughs> everyone we're talking about every culture every religion every sentient being every plant every ev like everything <laughs> Mm -hmm. yeah yep all of it all of it all of it and the and the thing that gets missed quite a bit in that all of it is your relationship with time mm, okay oh mark our listeners are going to go oh look i've just got to work now and my <laughs> and this podcast is getting interesting i'm going to have to pause it but I'm going to tell them to, you know, if you are, pause it and come back because I'm not stopping. Keep going. Let's go. Time. Unpack Can it. I just give you a really, really quick rundown of that because it's very, very simple, okay? I can have an idea. Bang. In it comes. And I can go, oh, man, that is the best idea I've ever had. I'm going to action that now. And it's not time for it. It's actually 10 years away. 
mm. before I should action that. I just got tingles. That's so forgiving. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I go out there and I action it. I make it happen. And, I'm, and I've done this. <laughs> so I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and you wonder why nothing's working. <laughs> I make it, no, I, I totally make it happen, right? I yep. make it happen. It happens. And at some point, it comes crashing and burning down like that Zeppelin, the big blimp that just yep. exploded. It just goes, right? And then I can turn around and go, but I thought it was going to work. I thought it was going to, I thought it was the greatest idea I've ever had. It was, I, I, I decided that it was for me to do for the rest of my life. Like it was it, it was this aha moment. Light came in, the music played, the harps were playing. The light was so bright. I needed sunglasses. It was it. I had my calling. I had my big, <laughs> you know, I had my big come to Jesus conversation and it's, this is it. This is why I'm here. And, and I didn't have that relationship with time and my intuition, which told me about something that's for 10 years from now. Mm. And I thought it was for now. And, and, and then you touched on it and then we berate ourselves, beat ourselves up because that great idea didn't work in inverted commas. Like it, it just didn't happen. Mm. And it, and because it didn't happen, because it crashed like the Zeppelin, um, then it wasn't meant to be, it wasn't supposed to happen. Well, these are some of the constructs and illusions we build that very, very quickly create this program where we never really leap off and do something different and do something that our intuition is telling us to do. We end up not doing any of it and settle for something much less. Mm. They are really powerful words because I see so many people settling in life in various, various areas, whether it be, career, business, relationships, health, or whatever it might be, without taking that, that leap, their intuition, they're getting messages, they're getting the signposts, and they're not actually listening to that and acting on the messages that they're getting from the great mystery. Um, yeah, really good. And I love that around time too, because I'm finding with, with the work that I do, I work with people and they set themselves goals. And the... The world we live in now has become very impatient and they see people out there doing these, what they think are amazing things and they've done them overnight. And all of a sudden they think I need to be like this. This is my time. And unfortunately society is really forcing a lot of people in a way, you know, because we're getting this bias to, to put too much pressure on themselves to make things happen now. Like, like you say, potentially the idea you have is for an idea for five years down the track or the goal that you have is, yeah, make a start now, but you're not actually going to see that blossom. Um, it's going to take seven years, 10 years, two years, four months. It's going to take whatever it takes 
for that to become the reality, for it to bloom, to, to, for it to blossom. And one of the great laws that we have in this universe, if we've just looked at nature, is this law of gestation. Everything takes time and your relationship to time is your construct and when you think something should happen. But if I was to plant a seed, if I was to plant, say, a kidney bean here today in some soil, it's going to take at least 26 days before it has a, a tree. If I was an elephant and I was impregnated, how long does it take before I actually give birth to that child, to that um, 22 months. 22 months. <laughs> you know, if, if me and my partner last night had got a bit, you know, frisky, and um, nine months it's going to take for that, that thing to gestate. And our goals are the same. Our goals are what we call spiritual seeds. We plant them, we get the idea. That's what an idea is. It's a spiritual seed. We plant it. You're not actually going to know when that is going to gestate. You've just got to take the little bits of action, I think, along the way. Listen to that gut feeling. Listen to that intuition. Connect deeply with your the greater mystery. Connect with yourself. Connect with others and see how the journey starts to unfold. And that idea will, at some point become your reality but you you can't force that mm. Mm. i mean nature shows us that all the time doesn't it yeah the best metaphor you've chosen yeah best metaphor so i i think for those that are listening you know if you're feeling a little bit stressed because you've got this plan this other business or um you want to find your true love or whatever it might be you know Plant the seed, plant the idea, and let the great mystery help that unfold for you. And with your intuition, it will give you signposts. It will give you information that says, hey, this is what you need to do for that seed to grow. This is how you need to fertilize it today. Yeah. Beautiful. So I think that's a really nice place to end. But there is one thing before we end that I would really love to learn a little bit more about because I know you are about to take some beautiful work into the Australian public school system. And, and we, we did speak about this recently when we caught up and I'd really love our listeners to know that there is some, there is a, a shift happening in the school system and that what you're, what you're, doing is going to help us in a way create create future leaders that come from a, a different sort of belief system and a different understanding so are you, can you just elaborate on that so that people can you know and potentially if anyone has a child in a school or is a teacher and they'd love for what you're what you're doing to be implemented in their school how they can get hold of you so just could you just share what it is that you're doing Sure. Um, so basically, for me, for myself, what I've come to in terms of my current role <laughs> to help people is uh, for a long time, I've done a lot of training and uh, workshops in relation to uh, respect and how that looks how to nurture it 
and it comes from the, a lot of the older traditions as well. So I designed a program to go into schools, which is rolling out the same time as the education department have uh, begun to roll out their policies and programs to teach kids respect. Uh, and it's not just respect for others, it's also respect for yourself, right? It's both. Uh, and they're hand in hand in terms of those relationships we were talking about before. So culturally from my, my one of my ancestry lines, uh, which comes from the native Canadian, uh, there's, a, there's a deep teaching in terms of how to respect uh, all of it. And so I'm taking uh, what we call the Chinupa, the sacred uh, Native American pipe, might be something people understand, or the peace pipe, into the schools and to explain a little bit about that and to ask each child to simply make a promise to themselves about how they're going to treat themselves and others from this day forth and forevermore. So it's kind of just to get them focused on what they would like to do in life and how they'd like to conduct themselves through life from now on. Yeah, and that's... Not about what's happened before, but from now on. So it, it, it's very, very simple. Um, you know, I've designed it for kids in grade fives and sixes and uh, seven and eight primarily because that's that's the time where in a lot of older cultures again you would be shifting from childhood to adulthood so rites of passage whereas in in, in our culture at the moment you get your license uh, to drive and to drink at 18 and there's kind of a bit of a lack in terms of introduction to what that means in terms of responsibility and, and how to conduct yourself and treat yourself and others. So it's a very, very simple program designed around that concept. Um, and so I, I just give a little talk and, and presentation on, on uh, how that looks, I guess, and get kids thinking about that, uh, get them started. Yeah, beautiful. Beautiful, and it's, it's a it's a beautiful thing too to be bringing the the tradition that was, and and having this rite of passage at a younger age because it's so true. Our rite of passage here in Australia for our Australian listeners is get your license and you can you're now allowed to drink. Um, you know how's that going to create a better world? Whereas rites of passage is even in the Indigenous Australian, the rites of passage is a lot younger, and the things that they need to do. And in a lot of cultures around the world, there are these rites of passages that happen at that puberty time, isn't it? When they sort of hit puberty. Yeah, yeah. And I did a lot of research into this when I was developing the program, and I came to the conclusion that I really couldn't talk about any of them because they were really rough. <laughs> <laughs> it was really no, hard. Yes. That you know, like it was pretty harsh uh, initiation rites 
uh, involved in a lot of cultures, uh, we do have it relatively gentle now. Well, we and actually don't to... have anything at that age right now. So, no. yeah, it is relatively gentle. But isn't it nice to be able to create something and to give these, these children a sense of purpose and to introduce them to some of these things at that age as well? Not these things, the, to introduce them to respect and the importance yeah, yeah. of respect. Absolutely. And unfortunately for my 12 children, they've been my teachers in relation to this. Um, <laughs> so so it, it's been a, a long 28-year-old process um, of learning from my 12 kids what, what they're really asking for, mm. uh, what they really need. Um, and kids don't have, you know, huge needs. It, it, you could simplify it by saying they need love, but what does that actually look like? Um, they need a strong sense of purpose that's going to help the world change for the better. Mm. Every one of them. And I love what the Dalai said a, a, a while ago about if we taught every eight-year-old how to meditate, we would change the world in a generation, okay? Uh, this is along that line of if we instill in children a deeper knowing, a deeper understanding of who they are and what they can do in the world, then, you know, this world will be so different in a generation. Yeah. so beautiful i agree and and thank you for carrying that torch on behalf of of the adults as well to to help bring those respectful more self-aware um future leaders into the world so thank you very much so if people would like to get hold of you in relation to any of your your healing workshops and there's a that's another rabbit hole too because i just want to <laughs> say one thing about healing when people think healing they think I'm not sick. I don't need to heal. Um, I just want to unpack that very quickly and say healing is not just about the physical body. It's about healing, understanding, knowing. What else do you want to add to that, Mark? What, what would healing mean to you? Because we use that term, but people go, I don't need There's a bit woo-woo. I'm not going to come to one of these healing workshops. Nothing wrong with me. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, basically, unless you're perfect, you need healing. Um, <laughs> but it... It, it's it's part of the journey that I've had since 1997 in particular, where I found that dealing with the physical body wasn't enough. Dealing with the mental body or the mental self wasn't enough. Dealing with your emotional being wasn't enough. You're a package, you know, your, your package contains your spirit, your emotions, your mind and your body all in one. And we're all in need of healing, but more to the point, you know, even if your life is picture perfect, what we are carrying and what we often don't recognize is that we're carrying the woundings of all of our ancestry. And there's a crying out in the world for that to be healed internally. Yeah. And if that's healed internally, it will reflect on the outside so it's even if you if you don't think you need anything um 
there's still work. <laughs> the mere fact that you'd think you don't need anything is a sign that you need yeah. work. <laughs> and the um, ego tricking you. <laughs> and look, there's, there's a metaphor that someone, one of my, actually one of my boxing teachers many years ago uh, said to me, he goes, you know, life's like a, a, four, a four-legged stool. All right, so you've got four legs on the, the stool, you've got the, the stool that you sit on, and at the top, you've got four legs around it. So you've got your physical leg, you've got your spiritual leg, you've got your emotional leg, and you've got your uh, mental leg, you know, your thought capacity. If one of those is loose or wobbling or all of them are loose or wobbling, you don't have a foundation to sit on for your life, really. One of them, just one of them out. And we're all going to be like that. None of us are perfect. And there's always a point where we can, we went, where we can heal an aspect to, to have a, a bit more firmer life and a little bit more, I guess, structure in our life as well. And it's not always going to be perfect. And we could keep talking, Mark, you and I, we're, we're terrible together. Seriously. Um, we're not, we're really good together. And I, I'm sure our, I'm sure our listeners have got a lot out of today. So back to my question, how can people get hold of you if they want to attend one of your healing workshops or where also with the children, if there is, they're going, Oh, I'd love my school to do this rite of passage or the school my children go to, or potentially I'm a teacher or maybe, hey, I'm in a workplace. Can we do this at work? How do they get hold of you? Yeah, totally. Uh, look, it's just a phone call or, or an email. It's very simple. Um, yep. Either so of those you, are fine. What's the best email to get hold of you on? Okay, so email is uh, lovehopefaith.healing at gmail.com. Beautiful. Also, I'll put, the, I'll put that information in the, yep. the body of... Uh, the intro for those or the, the, the notes from the podcast for those that want to get hold of Mark. You are on social media as well. If people need to grab a hold of you there, do you have a, a, a any yeah. pages people can watch yeah. you on or follow you on? I'm on Facebook and I, I'm working this white man's magic out slowly. Um, <laughs> I'm probably behind a lot of people, but I found out that I could have a page on Facebook. So I just called that Mark's Workshops. Yep. I don't know how you find that on Facebook. Don't ask me that, but I'm on Facebook. Um. <laughs> All right. So we'll, we'll, we'll put a link in there to Mark's workshop so people can get hold of you using the white man's magic and um, keep. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time out to have a chat today. And I really, I really love the journey we went on together and what we were able to unpack and this has probably been one of my longest podcasts, but as I said, I could just keep talking to you and, go, and going down so many different rabbit holes. Then looks like we might even have to get you back on and we'll talk further about some of the other things, amazing things that you've been doing. So thank you, Mark. Any final words you want to leave with our listeners as we finish up? Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> I put you on the spot. <laughs> great, great mystery. Come in and give me some wise, wise words. Um, look, just be gentle on yourself, I think is probably one of the things that comes up a lot. You know, I just see people being so hard on themselves a lot of the time uh, and just being allowing space, time for yourself to, to really get that, uh, that you deserve more. Mm. you deserve more yeah thank you 
Thank you so much. So thank you, everybody. And um, we'll see you on the next episode of Alice in Wonderland. Thanks for staying so long and being curious with me. Thanks, Georgia. Thank you. Thank you for listening and staying on board. If you're still here after that mammoth discussion with Mark, what a beautiful person and so much insights. And um, we could have gone so down so many different rabbit holes. As you know, we did go a number of places together on that, uh, in that, during that discussion. So thank you once again for staying on board. If there is, uh, if there is anything that you would like us, me to talk about, drop me a line. If there's anyone in particular that you think would be great for the podcast, happy to meet them and have a chat to them. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, I'd love a comment, if you a review on iTunes or a, a, a high five, I think it's a, a shake or a, a thumbs up or whatever it is on the platform you're, you're using, I'd love to hear from you. And email me too. Let me know what you're thinking and maybe what you're, not maybe, what you're getting out of the podcast because at the end of the day, I created this to help you become curious and to help you explore this wonderful world we live in and these amazing human beings that are doing extraordinary things that are not what we would normally see as common. So there's people out there doing the uncommon in so many ways and um, I want you to meet them so that you can be inspired and see that this world we live in is greater than the little insular worlds that we always keep ourselves in. Stay curious and thank you so much for tumbling down this rabbit hole with me today. Have a wonderful day. Stay curious. Today is turning into the most curious adventure I've ever had.